This is your host, Vernon Terrell, with Grace Ministries International, and it's time for Walking Free. And welcome back, everyone. This is Vernon Terrell, and today it is my privilege to have a um, champion of the faith, the champion of the faith, Bill Loveless. Bill, welcome. Well, thank you so much, Vernon. I so appreciate this opportunity. And yeah, you know, I wanted Bill on. Bill is really a pastor of pastors, mentor of mentors, uh, someone who's come alongside, I know myself, and alongside uh, Michelle and I. And by the way, Michelle says hello. Oh, good. <laughs> <Tell her> hello. <laughs> I will. And, uh, but Bill uh, has a ministry uh, out in Texas. And I thought we would hear first a little bit about uh, Bill, about his ministry. And then we want to talk about what are, uh, from Bill's perspective, what are some of the challenges that he's seeing that uh, Christians are facing today? So I have no idea where this is going to go, uh, but it's going to go somewhere and it will be cool. So Bill, could you give us just a little, um, just a intro of you, your story, and uh, how you got your ministry started. Right. Well, uh, basically, you know, the reason I'm in ministry is because of my story, and I I will give the short version, but I was raised in a very um, dysfunctional home. Father was very angry, controlling, alcoholic. Uh, His identity was based on our performance, so we had to perform at high levels but we all we wanted was his love, acceptance, and worth. And um, but by age eighteen, since we could not do enough to earn that, I just had deep-seated strongholds of inadequacy, anxiety, rejection, and um, didn't trust Christ till I was eighteen. Uh, went to university, got back, uh, came back after I went in the military for a short stint. Wanted to be serious about living my Christian life. So I got involved with a Christian organization at Texas A&M University and um, asked the wrong question that I just discovered 30 years later was the wrong question is how do I live the Christian life? Mm. And of course they gave me a checklist, you know, scripture memory and uh, prayer and read your Bible, go to church. And uh, so I just put my earthly father's face on my heavenly father's face I just assumed this is what he expected me to do for me to earn his love, acceptance, and worth. So I looked at those as bars of expectations that I had to jump over. So I just made sure uh, I did it better than anybody else. And, of course, I would see these incredible promises of freedom, of healing, of victory, of transformation. And I thought if I could just do enough – then I would earn that and kind of a quid pro quo, right? Let's make Mm. a deal. God, I'll do this for you if you reciprocate. The problem is uh, that went on for 30 years and nothing changed. Uh, I asked God to help me for 30 years and he was very consistent, didn't help me once. And, you know, and so 20 years into this 30 year journey, I got married and, uh, uh, my wife got the the overflow of my flesh, my angry, controlling, manipulative ways. And uh, here we are both doing everything we were told to do. But little did I know that I was living an insane Christian life. You know, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. 
and uh, just, you know, just deep sea, all these issues, these uh, strongholds just became worse. Uh, depression set in, suicidal thoughts. And it wasn't until October the 4th, 1998, at the end of this 30-year journey, I'm sitting in the parking lot of our church. Uh, they made me an elder uh, for some reason, and uh, but I was trying to figure out why I need to go in and hear one more message that isn't going to make any difference in my life. And as I'm sitting there, this question comes rolling across my mind, and the question is, are you done yet? Well, I knew it was the Holy Spirit, and so I said, yes, I'm, I'm done. Well, I didn't hear an audible voice, but I might as well have because he said, good, I've been waiting for 30 years for you to come to this point. And said, but through one man today, I'm going to change your destiny forever. And little did I know that 18 words would bring me here today on this broadcast because I walked into church, a man by the name of Ian Thomas, who was head of Torchbearers, has 26 Bible schools around the world. Uh, he was our guest speaker, and he gets up, and the first 18 words out of his mouth were, God never intended for you to live the life that only Christ can live in and through you. And and I was stunned because it was not just the words he was saying, but the expression, the fullness, the life. You talk about rivers of living water flowing through him. Uh, I felt I was drowning in the love and life of Christ through this man. And, of course, he told me two things. First time anybody had ever told me in 30 years of living the Christian life that I can't do it. And there's only one who can. His name is Jesus. And that's why we call him the life and not a life. And so from that point, God began to do this deep work in my life. I began to start walking in what it means to entrust these issues and, and for the Lord to start renewing my mind, transforming my life. He began to heal my woundedness. And after about um, a year, 18 months, I basically closed my business at that time. I was a 25 uh, general contractor for 25 years and uh, didn't know what I was going to do with my life. But after a year, God began to set me free. And uh, I ran into a ministry uh, in the meantime called Exchange Life Ministries Dallas, which is now called Operation 220, still in Dallas. And uh, I was very excited because they were teaching the same things I was learning. So I went and went to a workshop, uh, their conference um uh, advanced training was called then. And then in 2001, I joined the ministry and uh, just happiest day of my life because I was getting to do exactly what I wanted to do. And so I was with them for two and a half years. It was just a great God used the most, most, I guess it felt like family to me, 22 of the most Christ centered people I'd ever been around and just extensive deep healing that God used them. They let me minister there, but for the most part, I think I was being ministered to. But something started growing me after two and a half years that we're, we were not partnering with the church. We were pulling people out of legalistic churches. Uh, the Lord was setting them free, but we'd throw them back into these legalistic churches and their roots weren't deep enough and they'd be sucked back into the legalism. And I just felt we need to go to the church and partner with the church. And so after two and a half years, uh, the Lord said, I want you to form Christ's Life Ministries, move to San Antonio, and uh, start partnering with churches. Well, I had a few uh, obstacles to that. One is I said, Lord, we only know two people down there. And he said, that's okay. I know the rest of them. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> so I had a few other uh, issues, but uh, mainly my wife. And I said, I hope you told my wife. And 
I waited two weeks to tell her and then finally worked up the courage, but he had already told her two weeks before. So uh, <laughs> we packed our bags, moved down to San Antonio. Uh, I was a builder, so I wanted a blueprint for what we we're going to do. The Lord says, thank you, but I'm not going to give you a blueprint because you're going you're gonna to build something that's not mine. So here are the only two words God's ever given me in ministry, and it's I am. And so from uh, we moved down to San Antonio, May of 04, been down in this area ever since. And uh, that's when I began writing curriculum. And uh, then we started doing conferences, building relationships with churches, because our whole focus is, is discipleship and obviously Christ in you. So from that, we now partner with about 35 churches around the country, uh, but I'm most excited about what's going on internationally. We've we've now have uh, 17 translations of some of our materials. Uh, we've got nine international partners. Uh, these folks, what they do is not only translate our materials, but they teach them. But the most exciting thing is right going on right now. Uh, we formed a new ministry in Latin America called CILM Latin America, and we've got a couple. Uh, from Latin America, who are the directors of this. They've come under our umbrella. But since November, we've been to three, or excuse me, since February, been to three conferences, uh, the last one being one in Peru they just got back from, and we were there with 2,000 pastors. And, uh, and we were able to put one of our books in each one of their hands because so many of them don't have access to the Internet. So we're sitting here kind of standing in awe of what God is doing, uh, not only in the U.S., but around the world. And um, that, uh, that should give you a, at least a start of where we're, where we're at at this point. Wow. Sounds like um, how, how did the, when you started um, looking uh, outside of the borders of the U.S., how did that all get kicked off? Well, I've got a friend of mine by the name of Greg Lewis has a ministry called Go and Tell Ministries, and he does short-term mission trips. And so he would go to these countries, and uh, he would be teaching my materials, and then he would find a, a pastor or someone there and said, Bill, this is a guy we need to connect with. And then, of course, some of these uh, actually came on our connection to Pakistan. This guy actually... Um, basically I get a lot of emails from around the world, but he wrote me and said, I really like your identity study. Well, that, that kind of piqued my interest. And so we started developing that relationship and now he's translated some of our materials and he's traveling all over Pakistan, teaching Christ's lives. So it's been through Greg, it's been through the internet, also through other people as well. So, um, that's kind mm. of how we made those connections. Now with the churches that you partner with here in the U S uh, what does that partnership look like? I mean, what does that entail? Okay. What we do is we first, uh, like this, I've actually written a whole new discipleship series called Growing Up, Growing Out, Growing Deep. And so this year, especially, I'm going to every one of the churches and that we know and introducing this through a conference. I preach on it on Sunday, and then we follow up by working with small group leaders uh, the pastors, discipleship pastors, and basically integrating this study, uh, like the church we're going to in Abilene, is going to be the hub of their discipleship wheel. Uh, we got back from Fort Collins, it'll probably be a spoke on their wheel. Mm. The focus is coming alongside them and uh, implementing this discipleship study 
And then we follow up by uh, working with the pastors, uh, spend a lot of time one-on-one with them, just encouraging them. Also, we do uh, Zoom teaching as well with some of the leaders if they want that. And so, uh, and then some of these churches we go back to every single year uh, and, you know, either a topical study or if I've got something new, we integrate that. So it's the whole focus is building long-term partnerships. But probably the thing that I enjoy the most is, is working with pastors. You know, typically they, they can't talk to their staff. They can't mm-hmm. talk sometimes to their wives. And so I just, uh, that's the thing I enjoy most is when, you know, you win their trust you become a safe person for them and they share the things of their heart that you can minister to them directly because the sheer number of people they impact, if you can just impact him, that makes all the difference in the world. Absolutely. And uh, I find, and maybe this is my skeptical um, uh, and it's fear-based, but churches can be landmines. Mm. You're very brave Mm-hmm. to go into that field. You think, oh, well, these are Christians. These are, but often churches can be very um, protectionistic. They kind of put the walls around the building and right. getting through that can be challenging. Have you found that? Well, here's the thing that's really interesting. I call myself the laziest ministry guy in the world because I typically just wait by the phone, you know, to ring. But <clears throat> I've never knocked on the door of a church, just a cold call. Mm-hmm. It's always been through one individual who came to a conference that connected me to a pastor uh, or a friend, like a friend of mine. I had a Bible study in San Antonio. He brought a pastor to lunch who was totally burned out and was just able to share my story. And uh, God just brought him to brokenness. That was 12 years ago. We're still close friends, and he's now teaching life. So many, many different stories on how we connected, but we've never really cold-called a church because we know for the most part, um, unfortunately, evangelical church in America is not, you know, they prefer the legalism, of course, to life. So that's why we just let the Lord um, be the I am, Mm-hmm. And he would connect us to these various churches. And uh, so it was just amazing to see how God's opened these doors. As a pastor, as one that works with pastors, why do pastors seem to um, embrace this more performance-driven Christian experience? Do you have any insight on that? Well, just uh, a couple of things. One, uh, perhaps how they were raised. Uh, second, we certainly don't see life taught in most seminaries, and so it's it's really a performance gospel that they have. Uh, some some obviously are more legalistic than others, and you know it's something interesting, Vernon. I don't use the word grace much, and the reason being is because I can walk into any evangelical church and they say they're a grace church, and yet I call it legalized grace. Because, you know, it's this is grace and this is how to do it. And yeah. so I always stick to, you know, what what is a life church? What does a life church look like? And then at that point, it's, they don't they don't know. And I have an entry point there. So I think the way they were raised, what they were taught in seminary. And um, unfortunately, I, I just can't imagine. And, and we both know it's not working for them. It can't mm. because only the truth will set us free. And, and I just feel for these guys because every Sunday they've got to dish up something that's not working for them and certainly not going to work for the congregation. 
Do you find, you know, when you look in society right now, and, and we've talked about churches and pastors, leaders, but the the rest of the folks, the mainstream people, the regular folks, if you will, uh, the believers out there, what do you see in your travels uh, in the U.S., outside of the U.S.? What do you see are some of the, the main challenges that Christians are facing uh, today? Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of this whole new series is based on Ephesians 4, 14 through 16. And, and Paul's admonishing us that we've got to grow up. Uh, we can't be immature like children and to grow more like Christ. And so what I'm seeing in so many churches, unfortunately, behind like I was for 30 years, I thought I was growing up spiritually because I went to church. I went to a, a Bible church where they exegeted scripture in Greek and Hebrew. And uh, but the point was, at the end of 30 years, I was a grown up two year old. Mm. So for me, the great illusion in evangelical America is people think because they go to church or been to seminary that they're growing up. But I didn't start growing until I understood life in Christ. So what I see, the reason for these churches, you know, we're just seeing churches blowing up every day and the disunity in churches has everything to do with their spiritual age. So if you've got spiritual two-year-olds behind the pulpit and leadership and in the pew, then you've got a recipe for disaster. So for me, the the real issue here is spiritual immaturity. They think they're growing, they're under the illusion, but ultimately it's still about themselves. And so uh, when I when I go to these churches, you know, I, I go to that passage because how do we know we're growing up? Well, if I'm becoming, that's why I started this growing up piece. If I'm growing more and more like Christ, which is what Paul says in Ephesians 4, 15, then I will be growing up. In other words, he says, if we're growing up, we'll be growing healthy and full of love. So I think our, our key issue here is the road to spiritual growth is growing more like Christ. But unfortunately, that's not what people are hearing, you know, uh, in church every Sunday morning. It sounds like uh, what you're saying is uh, we confuse growing in knowledge and growing in, in Bible learning, but we're not growing in Christ and understanding and experiencing his life uh, as our life. That's correct. Because for me, the key word is transformation. Mm. Everybody wants to be changed. And so if the question we, if somebody would ask me this, had asked me this question somewhere along the 30 year period, this journey, the question is, how's it working for you? Well, it wasn't working. You know, I was living this insane Christian life. I was going to an insane church, but nobody asked me how it was doing. So I just assumed I was doing what I was supposed to do. Now, one of the first questions I ask people is, tell me what you believe about living the Christian life and how's it working for you? Because if it's not transforming our lives, we need to ask the question, why not? Did you find uh, when you started uh, learning or understanding this message, um, did you try, quote unquote, to make it happen? Was that still ingrained uh, in you or was it just a radical, wow, a flip a switch? Well, for me, uh, it was both and. You know, initially it was a flip of a switch because I was so desperate. Mm. When I, I was such low hanging fruit for God, all 
Ian Thomas had to do is stick his hand underneath it. Uh, but when it came to the actual engaging God, practicing, of course, you know, it, it's kind of like, okay, tell me what to do now. And uh, so, yes, it, it, it was a fight because it was. I mean, 48 years of ingrained performance. So, uh, but God, over time, uh, basically began to renew my mind of the truth that when he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. I, I kid people, but I look it up in the Greek, and the word means nothing. So, you know, <laughs> this is uh, this is not anything we can do in and of ourselves. And so, uh, but yeah, it, it's a process. I think we we can't just lose these uh, patterns of behavior overnight. But uh, as God began to persuade me and begin to set me free, and and today, you know, I just don't live in the anxiety. I just don't live in the fear. I don't live in the rejection. And so that the proof to me is in the pudding. If our lives aren't being transformed, uh, my concern is, are we really living uh, the truth? What do you say to the person, to the, to the believer, uh, the one who's uh, received Christ and his forgiveness in life? Uh, they're born again. Uh, they, uh, and they have a level of understanding. They say, Vernon, I know that uh, I am the righteousness of Christ. I, I, I know that he's, um, that my sins are forgiven, past, present, future. I know that he's made me brand new. I'm a new creation. I know this, but I, it's not working. <laughs> right, right. What do you say to him? <laughs> okay. Well, for me, you know, we... I think here again, we, we try to use our intellect. We try to, you know, bring, we feel like we can bring something to the table. Uh, like one of the things that I was taught is take the word of God, go out, use your intellect, ability, willpower, self-discipline and make it work. I think that's still part of the problem. What we don't really understand is how to engage God. Uh, for example, uh, we, as, as, uh, as a husband, I cannot produce unconditional love for my wife. Uh, but Christ, who is the source of my unconditional love, can. So for me, engaging God looks like this. Lord, love my wife through me. And mm. so as I do that practically, uh, Christ's unconditional love is flowing through me to her. Fortunately, she prays the same prayer. And so now we're not living, doing something for God. We're living from his very life. So for me, the real key is engaging God to do what only you can do and only, only he can do and you can't. A lot of it has to do with entrustment. I'm, I'm struggling. I've, I'm working with a lady, uh, young lady now who's tried to commit suicide twice. And she wants to hang on to her struggle and hold on to it and be the victim as opposed to entrusting you know, her pain or struggle to the Lord for healing. So engaging God, I think, is the most critical thing we can do in order to bring his life, his power to bear on our struggles. And I think uh, for those who sometimes say it's not working, uh, one question might be, well, what is your expectation and definition of working? That's good. Are we, you know, are we trying to get uh, God to bless something like, well, mm. God, it's not working. I don't have the job. I don't have the car. I don't have the, the girl or the, or the guy, depending on, you know, where you are, if you're a guy or a girl, I don't have a girlfriend or she doesn't have a boyfriend. And it's like, uh, I'm not married. God, why aren't you doing something? Mm -hmm. And I think that's to your point of are we trying to get God to really bless our agenda? Or are we just entrusting his agenda 
is for my good. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't mean I don't go out and send out a resume or right. go out and 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 talk to people and and make friends. But it's am I trying to get God to bless my plan? Mm-hmm. And I think we just fall we fall into that trap, even as uh, quote grace believers. Right. 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 Yeah, we just, you know, to me, the key word in our whole ministry is source. You know, who's going to be the source to mm. produce the change? And, you know, that, that's why God didn't help me, right? Because he's not going to help me be the source if he is the source. So it's engaging him to do what only he can do. And then, of course, I teach something called faithing it. You know, when we start engaging God, when I started engaging him to set me free from my rejection and trusting him to be my acceptance, well, I had to faith it before I experienced it. Mm. And that faithing it just, you know, kept trusting God. I wouldn't feel or experience any change, but I kept faithing it. And then at some point there's the supernatural change took place and uh, began to believe that I'm accepted in Christ. So I think a real problem with people is, walking long enough by faith, you know, dying to expectations of when it's going to take place or what it's going to look like and just simply learning to walk by faith. And I think that's the hardest thing. I I talk to these Gen Zers and they just want an app for that, right? Just give me an app and I'll, uh, I'll knock this out. But it's simply a walk of faith uh, going from faith to experience. Mm. And do um do you find that um, as you work with people and uh, and uh, they're they're in that part of the journey that is hard? I think some, and I don't want to I don't want to throw shade on millennials, Gen Z, or the younger generation, but it seems that uh, many are um, many believe that the Christian life should be a life of quote blessing without pain. Right. Uh, and, and this idea of, uh, of going through hard times, are, are hard times evident that God's not blessing me? Mm, yeah. <clears throat> well, you know, we, as I tell people, I, I wrote a uh, book called Healing the Wounded Heart. And uh, the, the premise of the book is we're fallen people living in a fallen world. Uh, living, I mean, we're living in fallen bodies in a fallen world surrounded by fallen people. So suffering is just part of it. Uh, it's not anything that uh, happens with or without God. It's just simply living, period. And so hmm. uh, I think the misnomer is, is that I'm going to suffer more now that I'm a believer. And yet that's Satan's lies opposed to what is God promised. I'm going to heal the brokenhearted. And uh, there will be suffering, but it's it's as a result of living in a fallen world. That's amazing. One thing that you've uh, said uh, on this podcast, and uh, you've just lived in your ministry, uh, in your book, it's around the heart. One thing I noticed, and this is many many years ago, uh, as um, the this grace message began to really gain some traction. I mean, it's, I, I think it's been from the time of Jesus, but it, it, it comes and goes and people, it, it seems like there's this, this cycle of legalism and then understanding more grace. And then uh, I can't prove that, but it seems that way. But uh, one thing you said uh, and and you've written about is the idea of heart mm-hmm. and getting to the heart and getting uh, and and embracing some of the emotions and understanding the hurt uh, and not just keeping this 
this message of life on this intellectual level. Right. Uh, is that, do you see that um, uh, again, where some Christians may falter keeping it? Uh, and you've, we've talked about that a little bit, but on that intellectual versus a heart level. Right. And, you know, and there can be Christ life Pharisees, right? I, I know more than you do about the Christ life. And so here again, you know, we're all struggling. We all have issues mm. that we struggle in our heart. And the question is, do you want to be set free? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be transformed? And uh, some people would just rather talk about it than engage God to deal with it. So for me, it's like when I meet with couples, if they have not gotten to the place of I can't, in other words, I can't mm. solve it, overcome it, uh, get around it, cope with it anymore, then I can't help them because they're still going to use something in and of themselves or Satan is there to help them, giving them one more idea or tip or technique to transform their marriage when nothing apart from the work of the spirit will do that. So really it's people getting to the place of, of I can't, you know, mm. and, uh, or I'm needy, you know, which it, this, this life is a need driven life. And by very definition of dependence, we're needy every moment, but God allows or causes things in our life to really bring us to the place that I can't, you know, I can't, um, Life's simply not working and I can cope no longer. And that's where he says, well, that's why I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And I would encourage folks um, to give yourself grace. And, and you know, with this journey, uh, God, and I said this, I get in trouble sometimes for saying it, but um, God, uh, behavior is important, yes, but God's not so much concerned about your behavior. He's concerned about your relationship and experience him and receiving his life. Uh, the behavior will take care of itself when we come into this humble submission of loving God and, and just embracing that connection uh, and that relationship uh, with him. Um, you've got so many books, uh, Bill, so many resources. If someone said, I, I don't know where to start mm -hmm. uh, and uh, he's got all this stuff, where would you suggest someone well, start with your resources? Yeah, I would start uh, with this new series. In fact, you can find it on the homepage of our website. Uh, the series is called Growing Up, Growing Out, Growing Deep. And the books are listed in book one through book four. And book one really just lays everything out very simply. It's where I would take a new believer. Uh, or someone who, like me, lived 30 years of a performance-driven life because it just lays out uh, what does it mean to grow up spiritually? What does it mean to grow into, because book one is growing into Christ-likeness. What does it look like? What is the last three chapters are basic application? What does it look like to you know, grow in Christ, to live from his peace, his joy, his rest? And so it's a very, very practical book. And then the second one is Experiencing Your True Identity, because I think those are the foundation of who mm -hmm. Christ is in me and who I am in Christ. And then book three is The Overflow. What does life look like living life for others? And then book four is Experiencing a Deep Relationship with God. So I would just suggest that they they stop, you know, just start right there. They can go to the homepage or the curriculum tab of our website and find those uh, books. If they want something shorter, we have a, a several discipleship booklets uh, that uh, they can go to and choose from. They can just look at the topics there 
and uh, pick. And all our materials are downloadable and reproducible for free. So people need to know that you can download it, reproduce it and no cost. I think that's amazing. And I would also encourage uh, you, if you are at a church and you know of a pastor, you know your pastor or assistant pastor that might be hurting uh, and you want a a fellow pastor, a pastor's touch, um, make the introduction. You can find out how to contact uh, Bill on his website and you can just make the introduction and uh, he'd be happy to, uh, to um, start that conversation. And I guess for folks, uh, just... Just the website address is www.christislifeministries.com. Christislifeministries.com. Find all the information there. And Bill, any final words of encouragement that uh, you would want to leave with uh, folks as we close this podcast? Well, I just, I don't know where, if you're a listener today, I don't know where you are I just know that God has really taken me from death to life. And so if you're sitting here today and you're discouraged or maybe you've been walking by faith and been walking this life and you're not seeing any tangible results, hang in there because God is in the process of working. We need to understand eternally more than we want to be healed or transformed. God wants to do that. All born out of his love for you because he created you out of love to be loved and to love. So I just want to encourage you to keep taking steps of faith, engaging God, and watch him work. And with that, uh, my normal tagline is, uh, Bill just really, he said it for me, uh, whatever the Lord's telling you to do uh, and for your next step, it may be to go to ChristIsLifeMinistries.com. Uh, that may be your next step. Your next step may be simply to sit and soak in the fact that God loves you more than you can ever know. Whatever that step is, I encourage you now to stop talking about it and start walking. You've been listening to Walking Free, a production of Grace Ministries International in Marietta, Georgia. For more information, go to our website at gmint.org. That's G-M-I-N-T dot O-R-G.